from uh, about 15 years on up, uh, a great deal of my thoughts were uh, basically unshareable. We are all evil in some form or another. Yes, I am evil. Not 100%, but I am evil. My mother was a, a sick, angry, hungry, and very sad woman. I hated her, but I wanted to love my mother. This is Serial Killing, a podcast. Hello again, and welcome to Serial Killing, a podcast Halloween special, where this month we will be having a bit of fun with the topics for the podcast, veering off the serial killer path to delve into other topics within our beloved true crime community. Let's have some fun during Spooky Month. Special thanks to some of my patrons, Jennifer, Ariel, Elise, Chantel, Sonia, Dan, Maya, Linda, Teresa, my dear three Emmas, Jessica, Lady Janice, Elena, Alethea, John, Nanette, Rachel, Sophie, Whitney, David, Catherine, Trudy, and Stacy. Thank you guys so much. You are truly appreciated. And for anyone else, please feel free to join my patron. Like, share, and subscribe. It might just help our little community grow. This week's podcast will be on skinwalkers. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Now, most of us are familiar with this particular cryptid, though they are not technically cryptids. They are witches. And if you are a user of TikTok, then I'd wager you have seen plenty of videos of people filming animals or people behaving in a very strange and scary way. The videos being unsettling as we realize we've watched them on loop a few times before we snap out of it, shake it off, and move on. Skinwalkers have a colorful and also cryptic history, so let's get into it. This particular legend seems to have begun with the Navajos. It didn't take me but a hot minute to figure out that you aren't even supposed to talk about them, that talking about them at all might well be the equivalent of summoning one, taking my life in my own hands, guys. In fact, within the Navajo community, it's basically banned from being spoken about at all. So this is me hoping that, since I am not of any real Native American heritage, that I do their culture the justice it deserves and, therefore, might be spared from any encounters. While my research showed that there were several varieties of skinwalkers, the one most people have heard of or are familiar with are called Yi Naoblushi, literally translating to, quote, by means of it, it goes on all fours, end quote. But the Navajo aren't the only tribe that believe in the skinwalker legend. They also show up in the Pueblo, the Apache, and the Hopi tribes. 
but for the Navajo. They represent the antithesis of valued Navajo cultural values. Traditional Navajo people are quite reluctant to discuss or even reveal their skinwalker lore because they don't openly speak about it themselves, you see. The way it begins is that they start as community healers and cultural workers. We would know them as medicine men and not nearly as often women. But in order to practice their craft for the betterment of their communities, they must learn both the good and evil, dark and light sides of their work or magic. Most of these spiritual and revered people are able to handle the balance and responsibilities of learning both sides very well. They understand that both are important for the delicate balance of the universe. We can all agree with that. But unfortunately, there are some that become corrupt and choose instead to become sort of witches. So what is the process of becoming a skinwalker? It is believed that a dark magic ritual must be performed, which includes taking the life of someone close to you and the consumption of that person. After this ritual is complete, they have essentially lost any humanity they had left within them, and the person can then potentially transform into any animal or human, though there are a very few specific regularly used animals. Once they become a skinwalker, there is no going back. This transformation gives the person enhanced strength and speed, making them nearly impossible to catch. It is said they can read minds, and if you specifically stare into the eyes of a skinwalker, they could potentially take over your body and control your mind. It is said they can mimic the sound of any animal or human. It is said that they can run a great deal further than normal people, some sources saying as far as 200 miles at a time before stopping. But the trick is that allegedly they cannot enter your house unless invited and they can only transform at night. And whatever animal they decide to transform into has a unique set of abilities, right? So the most common is the coyote. Navajo mythology states that the coyote is an irresponsible and troublemaking character who is also somehow one of the most important and revered characters in their mythology. The coyote has some power over rain. Its ceremonial name means first scolder. The coyote also appears in the creation stories, stories they use for teaching their young and healing ceremonies. It represents a shadowy figure that can be funny or fearsome. It is greedy, vain, foolish, cunning, and can also occasionally display a degree of power. It is said that if a coyote crosses your path, you need to turn around and most definitively not continue on your journey. They are an omen of an impending, unfortunate event in the near future. The trickster hero, if you will, kind of personally reminds me of Loki. Another animal they commonly transform into is a wolf. Now, from what I read, the Navajo fear wolves only due to the potential for monstrous behavior from humans. They believe, along with the Hopi, that human witches use 
or possibly even abuse the wolf's power to influence other people. Most Europeans warn of all wolf and sheep's clothing, whereas our Native Americans would caution you against a human in wolf's clothing. To be a wolf-human skinwalker, it is said the witch must wear the pelt or the skin and furs of the wolf, but this would hold true for any animal they chose to transform into. The witch would transform into a wolf for its ability to attack and cause harm. And really, especially with regards to the Navajo, the only pelts you will ever regularly see them wearing are sheepskin and buckskin, and usually just for ceremonial purposes. Wearing the pelts of bears, coyotes, wolves, and cougars is strictly taboo. That is a hard no. Another animal the skinwalker would commonly use is a fox. Somewhat like the coyote, they see the fox as a trickster, prankster, or would even lead a person to their death. Still another is the owl, which is believed to be the bearer of bad news, showing themselves is a visual communication of a warning that something bad is about to happen. In some tribes, the owl is the embodied spirit of the dead, and then they also believe the skinwalker will use the form of a crow, which seems somewhat like the owl being described as an omen of threat or even death. But when they are not in their regular human form or the animal form they so choose, they exist in some hollowed out form of a creature that looks kind of like a dog. Sources also said they have a very pungent, foul stench that lingers wherever they go. It was also said that they prefer to hang out in graveyards and they are able to dig graves up very quickly so that the skinwalkers can take the powder, quote unquote, from the remains or the dust of the bones and use that dust as a poison on their victims, causing paralysis and heart failure. It is said they try to gain entry into people's houses to attack the people inside. They will beat on the walls of the house, knock on the windows, or even climb onto the roof. If one were to peer outside, sometimes they might see a strange animal-like figure standing outside trying to look in. They might attack a moving vehicle and likely to cause car accidents. And again, they are impossibly fast, nearly impossible to catch, and though people have tried to shoot them, way more often than not, they are not successful. If one were brave enough to track one down, they will most likely be led to the house of someone that the tracker knows. The wounded skinwalker will leave, and then a person will be seen with the same wound in the same spot, much like the European werewolf. So how does one permanently take out a skinwalker? According to Navajo myth, the only way is to shoot a skinwalker in the neck or hands with bullets dipped in white ash. But even then, people who have said they've attempted to shoot one found their gun jamming or just flat out malfunctioning. The only other methods of killing one is murdering it while it's in its human form or something as simple as calling them by their true pre-skinwalker name. So we can all understand why the skinwalker is so feared and that even speaking about them is not only bad luck, 
but it will make the likelihood of them appearing greatly increased. So what brought them to the attention of the mainstream population? While there have been stories here and there, sources stated that it became front and center, so to speak, from a couple's experience on their ranch. But let's get into a little bit of history for the area, which is in northeastern Utah. Sources said that this whole area, since the early Spanish missionaries, has been swimming with rumors of strange things going on. It has been said that this has been the site of, quote, simply unbelievable paranormal activity, end quote. Sightings of UFOs, Bigfoot, cattle mutilations, and much more. This area is bordered by the Ute Indian Reservation, and there is a belief that the area has been tormented for hundreds of years by non-human, shape-shifting beings called skinwalkers. To the Ute, the site is cursed. So the first owners of the area, now known as Skinwalker Ranch, were Kenneth and Edith Myers, who purchased the 512 acres in 1934. The couple then leased it out to other farmers to raise cattle, and it should come as no surprise that while the couple owned the land, neither they nor the people that were using it ever reported anything weird or suspicious. In fact, Kenneth's brother Garth, who worked on the ranch in his younger years, said, quote, nothing unequivocally, absolutely nothing peculiar occurred, end quote. But this goes against the stories of the history of that place, such as UFO reports coming from that area in the 1970s. But regardless, sources said that at the very least, nothing was reported specifically with regards to the ranch while the Myers owned it. The land was then sold to Terry and Gwen Sherman in 1994. They and their two children moved there and began establishing their cattle ranch. As the story goes, the couple experienced their first paranormal activity as they were still moving furniture into the house. They stated a large wolf was seen in a nearby cow pasture and that it seemed oddly unbothered by the humans so close to it. It then turned and bit into the leg of a calf. Terry said he grabbed his rifle and shot the animal at close range. He was certain he had hit the animal, but it did not react at all, not even to the boom of the gun. He shot it two more times, and yet the wolf did not move. And then the wolf simply turned and walked away with no visible blood or wounds at all, though it apparently left a foul stench compared to rotting flesh behind. Not long after, the Shermans reported that they had been seeing, quote, orange circular doorways that seemed to appear in midair and a red glowing thing that lit the whole side of the mountain up like broad daylight, end quote. They described blue spheres that flew around as if directed by unseen forces. They woke up to find crop circles scorched into the ground or fields near their home, the Shermans also reported that groceries they had purchased and put away in their kitchen were just mysteriously repacked and perfectly organized. They would hear disembodied voices talking to them, but in a language they could not understand. 
Terry said that once he saw what he thought was an RV pull into their driveway, so he began to walk toward it to welcome or possibly assist the traveler, only to watch the vehicle literally lift off of the ground and fly away. Cows would disappear only to reappear, having been mutilated and dead. One was found with a hole drilled out of its eye, and that was the only wound it sustained. A second cow had the same eye injury, plus its rectum had been perfectly cut out with surgical precision, and around the cows was a very strange, described as pungent, chemical smell. One cow had been walking in the snow, leaving its trail, only its tracks to just suddenly stop. No animal to be found. It was as if the animal just disappeared. At other times, they would see different creatures lingering around the property. One they described as a tall, walking on two legs, group of Bigfoot-like creatures on the ranch, as well as a, quote, heavily muscled beast with curly red hair and a bushy tail, end quote. A couple of their dogs, they believed, had been incinerated overnight. Every member of the Sherman family reported not sleeping well, and if they did manage to get sleep, they would have disturbing nightmares. Sometimes they would wake up, begin their day, and realize that they had all had identical dreams. So with all of this going on, they decided to all sleep together in the main room of the house. A local newspaper article was written about the Shermans and their experience, and that got the attention of billionaire property owner Robert Bigelow. Now, Robert, described as a hard-headed businessman, also had a passion for space travel and the paranormal and actually founded the National Institute for Discovery Science with basically his own personal X-Files team, if you will. So Robert contacted the Shermans and offered to buy the ranch, to which they happily agreed. And after only living there a couple of years, they moved away. Quickly after, Robert brought in his team to begin conducting thorough research on the ranch. They went about setting up several observation posts, as well as 24-hour surveillance equipment, and it was nearly immediate that they began to witness some strange phenomena. Lights in the sky, yellow or red-eyed animals that were not at all like any other animal they had ever seen. A mutilated cow that had just been tagged by the rancher not even an hour before. The cow had been disemboweled, but there was no blood anywhere on or around the cow whatsoever. But the cameras began malfunctioning, wires ripped out of the casings. And actually, according to the History Channel, a retired Army intelligence officer who worked with the National Institute for Discovery Science said that there was some kind of, quote, precognitive sentient intelligence at work able to intercept the plans of the team and sabotage their tools before they could record the phenomena, end quote. Another colleague in the group, biochemist Dr. Colm Kelleher, witnessed a large humanoid-type figure perched in a tree. He wrote in his book titled Hunt for the Skinwalker that the creature was about 20 feet off of the ground and about 50 feet away. 
He wrote, quote, The large creature that lay motionless, almost casually, in the tree, the only indication of the beast's presence was the penetrating yellow light of the unblinking eyes as they stared fixedly back into the light, end quote. Around 2014, allegedly Robert received a peculiar, air quotes, letter from a senior official at the U.S. Defense Intelligence Agency stating they were curious about the research that had been done at Skinwalker Ranch. Robert invited the official to the ranch where, allegedly, supposedly, the official was confronted by a vivid, multicolored, shape-shifting object that floated in front of him before quickly disappearing. Interesting. It is thought that perhaps this influenced the formation of the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program initiated by Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid, who was a friend of Robert's. The History Channel mentioned that there was a publication by Robert that was nearly 500 pages titled The Ten-Month Report, detailing numerous cases of unexplained aerial phenomena, and it even described Skinwalker Ranch as a, quote, a possible laboratory for studying other intelligences and possible interdimensional phenomena, end quote. I wasn't immediately able to find this publication, but I'm sure it exists somewhere. But having such a difficulty getting their equipment to work and what evidence they had wouldn't be accepted into any scientific publication. After roughly 20 years, Robert sold the ranch to a company called Adamantium Holdings for $4.5 million in 2016. Sources say the shell company, named after the metal that coats Wolverine's bones and makes his claws indestructible, is owned by a man named Brandon Fugel. He was the co-founder and owner of Coldwell Banker Commercial Advisors before it merged with another company. He also owns aerodynamic jets and he owns a very impressive collection of movie memorabilia. So Brandon bought the area and brought with him a new team of researchers, including astrophysicist Dr. Travis Taylor, among other scientists, to, quote, truly get to the bottom of what was happening, end quote. His words. At this point, the story was gaining global notoriety, and people that have worked on the property have complained of or experienced skin inflammation and nausea after working on the grounds. It was said that even some had to be hospitalized with no identifiable medical diagnosis for their symptoms or condition. Which brings us back to the Skinwalker lore. Since the area near the ranch was at one point Ute territory, why would an ominous element of Navajo tradition be lurking or haunting this territory? Historian Sandra Jones stated that, quote, the Navajo were more aggressive people. They took slaves. They had Ute slaves, end quote. And it was this violent relationship between the tribes, though the Navajo were a few hundred miles away, that led to the Navajo to supposedly place a curse on the Ute, which in turn unleashed the skinwalkers within their territory. Now, this is all alleged, supposed, I'm not trying to offend anyone on either side of that fence. It's just what the research stated. 
It is important to note that the Ute have said they've personally never known of any Navajo curse. So there's that. So if this is all a hoax, what would explain, say, the cattle deaths and mutilations? Some say it might be due to toxic consequences of nearby fracking sites. The land is absolutely perforated by more than 8,000 gas wells and 2,000 oil wells and has been a fracking destination since the 1960s. Some of the grasses are known carcinogens. Okay, sure, but the mutilations? Well, that can't really be explained, what with the described surgical precision of the cuts and so on. Now, there are many documentaries and videos on YouTube you can find that talk about skinwalkers. It was one such video on TikTok of all things that caught my attention and made me want to cover for this Halloween special. So, if they are real, what can we do to protect ourselves? Well, the most obvious one is to stay indoors after dark. A skinwalker is not supposed to be able to come into your house without being invited in. Some say that skinwalkers can attach themselves to you and will move to wherever you move, follow you to a new area, so to speak, and to use salt, sage, and iron to protect yourself from them. A man who identified himself as being Apache, Choctaw, and Blackfoot said that they are very real. He said, never leave fingernails on the ground, or if you spit on the ground, or your blood drops on the ground, cover it with dirt immediately. Basically, never leave anything with your DNA signature on the ground without covering it. You are never to look it directly in the eyes, or it will be able to take your form. You can use juniper ash and make a circle around your home. It is not supposed to be able to cross that circle. A big rule is to not whistle at night as well as looking out the window to see about a noise that you've heard. I read that you are not even to say the word skinwalker out loud from dusk until dawn because it will call them to you. And don't fret, my friends. It is the middle of the day while I'm recording. So I will leave you with a story about an encounter with a skinwalker. I'm not sure who the original author was, but the full credit goes to them without saying. Here we go. My grandmother on my mother's side has always been superstitious, for lack of a better word. She's not religious, but she does believe in a lot of paranormal stuff. Her mother was full-blooded Navajo, and her father was Irish. Either way, she'd never been anywhere east of Montana, and she grew up in Nevada. One year, when I was in grade school, we went to visit her. Most of the visit was pretty uneventful. Typical, boring, old people stuff, except she always kept her curtains drawn shut and would always peek out the window, and when someone asked her what she was doing, she would simply reply, quote, Ye Lushi is watching me. End quote. This went on for nearly the entire visit until a few days before we were due to leave. My grandmother and my then baby brother were in the front yard that evening planting flowers when all of a sudden my grandmother starts shouting, Get away from that creature! It's not safe! Of course, being in Nevada, we all assumed my little brother had found a scorpion or a rattlesnake, so we all run outside 
to see my grandmother clutching my little brother and shaking in terror against the side of the house because standing out in the yard was a large black Great Dane-sized dog. It was staring at my grandmother with an intensity I'd never seen before. It looked up at us, gave a little huff, and bounded off. I don't remember if it moved unusually fast or not, but I do remember it had really deep, glowing yellow eyes. When my mother asked my grandmother what had happened, she kept repeating, quote, The Yinald Lushi has found me, end quote. She moved a couple of weeks after that. So tell me, guys, what do you think about skinwalkers? Have any of you had any encounters with one? Please tell me about it. I'll share your story if you'd like. You can leave a comment below. You can DM me on Instagram. And most importantly, thank you so much, guys, for listening. Because I know you could be listening to anyone else, but you chose me. And I really appreciate that. Thanks, guys, and have a fantastic spooky season.